Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, Tumble Blue Pin. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. Here come the Oilers. 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry Settle waits. There's the center pass. One timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. In over the line, one-timer, and that was a slap pass. Rebound, score! Connor McDavid's got his first NHL hat trick. Drop pass, McDavid to the net, wrist shot, score! And that'll put it away, Connor McDavid! But now the Red Wings, Mantha over the line, a drop by Zetterberg, who's quietly had a good year, and a block shot, and here comes Connor McDavid. He's got his man beat to the net, backhander, score! Connor McDavid, coast to coast, tucks the backhander home. Dishing off, Daniel Sedin, a steal by Connor McDavid. 99 points, looking to make it 100. Over the line, dishes off, back to score! There it is, that's 100 points for Connor McDavid! Dry subtle shot squeaks through. Oilers 5, Canucks 1, and Connor McDavid becomes the first Oiler in 21 years to hit the 100-point barrier. Well, what highlights are still to come for young Connor McDavid? We got at least nine more years of them in an Oilers uniform. The deal today, as I'm sure you've heard, an eight-year extension for $100 million. That's a cap hit of $12.5 million per season. Of course, McDavid heading into the final year of his three-year entry-level deal. And then today's contract will start for next season. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. That is the huge news of the day. It's 6.08 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. 6.30 Chad. The Eskimos of course are in a bye week. They did announce the signing, I guess the re-signing. He was uh, let go and now has been brought back of running back slash kick returner Kendall Lawrence or Ken Dial as I like to call him and we'll talk more about that later on tonight. But McDavid is the big story as are you. As members of oil country, how do you feel about this deal? What does it mean? What does it mean for Leon Dreisaitl? And uh, I guess maybe if you want to talk really, really big picture, what does it mean for the franchise as a whole on the heels of obviously one of the worst decades by any team in the history of North American pro sports, certainly in the big four, and uh, now... Uh, I mean, if we, we weren't already there, what does this mean for the potential new age 
of the Edmonton Oilers, led by their young captain, Connor McDavid. The open line is 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. You can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, and the email is insidesports at 630ched.com. So, you know, we kind of got uh, wind of this possibly happening. Um even yesterday, we thought something could be going on, and then the Oilers put out the release this morning that there would be a news conference at 1, and that it would involve Peter Shirelli and Bob Nicholson, and it would be a major announcement. Uh, Bob Stoffer and I were at the Hall of Fame room. Well, Bob was there, uh, I think, around 10 this morning. I got there around 11.30. They were already set up with three chairs, and if you've ever walked by the Hall of Fame room, you know, you can see it from 104th Avenue. They usually have uh, Wayne Gretzky's top 100 highlights playing on the uh, video screen in the room. Well, that had been changed to include Connor McDavid highlights from the from the past season. So uh, obviously something was going to happen. And as we got closer to the news conference, we started to hear, all right, maybe it's not going to be the 106 million dollar contract that had been uh, rumored last week and that was 13 and a quarter million dollars per season instead it is exactly a hundred million dollars so 12 and a half per year will give the Oilers a little bit more wiggle room under the salary cap as they move along here the salary cap will be 75 million dollars for next season we'll see what it'll be for the following season when McDavid's contract actually starts it's so uh, right now just over 17 percent of the cap would be taken up by Connor McDavid's salary, so that could be down maybe to 16, 15 by next season, and then we'll see where we go. We also see what Con- what Leon Dreisaitl is going to get. Could this now be in the neighborhood of eight million dollars? Maybe it's a five-year deal instead of an eight, and then uh, and then Leon is re-signed after that runs out. Bob Stoffer and I will talk about that later on in the evening. He's going to be one of our guests. You'll also hear from Oilers analyst, former. Oilers tough guy Louis DeBrusque will join us tonight as well, not just to talk about the McDavid deal, but also tomorrow's celebration of life at Rogers Place as we remember Oilers legend Dave Semenko. And of course, the public is welcome to attend that celebration of life. It is a free ticket, but you do have to have a ticket by going on to ticketmaster.ca. Again, it starts at 2 at Rogers Place. Doors open at noon, and uh, we will have the uh, Celebration of Life live here on 630 Chet. So, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Obviously incredibly significant for the Oilers winning that draft lottery April of 2015. McDavid, after missing almost half his rookie season with the collarbone injury, leads the NHL in scoring this past season, wins the Hart Trophy as the MVP. Peter Shirelli had said all along, signing Connor McDavid to a contract extension, huge priority this summer. And here's what Shirelli had to say in making the announcement this afternoon. Today we are excited to announce the signing of Connor McDavid to an eight-year contract extension with average annual value $12.5 million. There are a lot of dynamics that occur during the negotiating and ultimately signing of a player like Connor. One is commitment. Connor has been unwavering in his commitment to stay with the Oilers for the maximum term possible eight years. He is committed to the team and to the city and to its great fans. Connor did not stray from that, neither did we. Another dynamic is partnership. I compare this magnitude of contract to a partnership. In order for a partnership to work, both sides have to benefit. They have to share in the success together. Conversely, they have to share in the challenges together also. 
This may be one of the largest contracts ever given in the NHL, but I can assure you it easily could have been a lot higher in value and shorter in term. Building a team to win the Stanley Cup was a constant discussion point in this negotiation. The third dynamic is character. We have a young man in Connor who is the youngest captain in NHL history. He is one of three players to have won the Art Ross, Hart and Pearson at such a young age. That is a lot of individual awards. However, last Sunday following the draft when I met with Connor and Jeff Jackson, his agent, all Connor wanted to talk about was his teammates and winning the Stanley Cup. Connor's humble and he's driven. He makes players better and he wants his teammates to succeed. So in conclusion, we have three strong dynamics that are the foundation to this signing. Commitment, partnership, and character. Not a bad way to start the next nine years. All right, so that's Peter Shirelli, and we'll get to some of his uh, other comments as we move along tonight. That was the prepared statement he read right at the start of everything. And uh, interesting, the three terms he uses, commitment, partnership, and character when talking about Connor McDavid. Look, he, uh, he he's, he's a special hockey player, and I, I think you talk to people who know him. And I interviewed his parents today, which was uh, pretty cool. I had met them briefly in the past, but I got to interview them today. And he's just one of those guys, whether you want to call him a prodigy. I mean, in hockey, they've said a, ge- a generational player. Or I've sometimes said he's just a hockey savant. He, he's obsessed with hockey. He wants to succeed at it. He's committed to doing whatever it takes to succeed at it. And, I mean, you see people in, in different walks of life, uh, you know, artists or, or whatever, people who are just so in tune with what they want to do for a living. And Connor McDavid is one of those one of those people, and he's able to be able to commit to something and embrace it and stick with it and be successful, obviously, at a very young age. 780-496-0063. We have, oh, let me click that again. Okay, Jared, do I have you? Reed, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, Jared. I was I have I was having a problem with the computer mouse. I'm not going to lie to you. I still struggle sometimes. Good. To, what's going on? <laughs> I just got a comment about that Connor and one about uh, Dave Semenko, and I just like to say with the Connor at twelve and a half million and and Leon Drysaddle maybe getting eight million. I still think one has to remember is if Leon was on another team and he wouldn't have been with Connor. I'm not necessarily saying on the same line, but let's say he was playing in Calgary and he was the number one guy he would have always been keyed on. So you've got to ask yourself is how many points would he have got? Maybe 60, 63, and I think we would only know how good Leon would be if he wasn't on the same team as McDavid, and I don't know if we're going to see that for a long time. But Connor, without Leon, I still think he's going to get 100 points. And I do think eventually he's going to move into that 130, 135. I think he's so much better than everybody. And I even would say better than Sid. And I think that people say, well, Sid won the, the two con smites, the Stanley Cup. But winning doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best player. And there's a lot of things that Connor does in his game already that Sid never could do and will never be able to do. And Sid plays a lot through experience now. And as Connor gets a couple more passes through the league, I think he's just going to school all the defensemen. And the only thing about Dave Semenko I'd like to say, I find it hard to believe that, you know, um, you know, my funeral, I'll be lucky if I'm going to get 20 people, and he's going to get thousands for his. And, you know, you think about all the great players and how much everybody was attached to him. 
I think that's that's great for Dave and and his family. And the only other thing I'd like to mention is about like the tough guys. And I always have heard about from the past, like coaches I'd had a fight that he had with Larry Playfair in November of 1980. And the only fight that he really lost, and I reread uh, a section in his book, looking out for number one, the one that was printed in 1989 after his retirement. And he says that when he got hit by Larry Playfair, it was the only guy that ever ever buckled his knees. And if you ever go online and read, watch some of the fights of Larry Playfair. It's a, it's incredible this guy how how fast and how hard he hit guys. There's one tape where they're playing in LA, I believe, in 1988, and Kevin McClellan is is drawing with Larry Playfair. And the ref is kind of stepping in, and, and Messier skates by. He doesn't want nothing to do with it. And finally, when it's time to go, just two shots, he drops Kevin McClellan and just gives him a beating on the ice. And I find it interesting that, you know, you hear about Bob Probert and all of these guys, but guys like Dave Semenko and Larry Playfair, not a lot of people wanted to fight them because they could hurt you. And some guys, you know, Basil McCray types, they were able to get 300 mitts and penalties because... I don't think they were that feared, and I think there's certain guys, Dave Semenko, the Larry Playfair, even Ty Domi to a certain degree, that they were they were feared by everybody. Yeah, well, that's a great call, Jared, and great memories of, of some of the fighters from that era for for sure. Are you going to go to the Semenko celebration tomorrow? Yeah, I, I'm serious. I'm seriously thinking about it. I think that uh, it's uh, I think it's just an, it's uh, an incredible thing for him. Because I always used to see him around uh, Southgate Mall. I, I did not know the man. I did not ever talk to him. I was one time when I was at a junior camp. He was speaking in front of like the couple of junior teams, uh-huh. and he talked about one of his first games. I don't know if it was the WHA or NHL where he was looking up at the like the videotron, yep. and he saw himself, and he started moving his arms, and he started moving his legs, and then he realized <laughs> that you know the whole play is moving around, and he's still watching himself on the video the videotron, but. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's a that's a real tough one, and you know when you grow up and you and you idolize and you and you and you think about those guys, you think they're going to live forever, right? Yeah, and it, and it just kind of goes to show you that it doesn't. And he's I think he's the first one that's gone from from the Edmonton. Matty Hagman died, but he never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, he's gone far too soon, and like we've talked about, Jared, he, I, I know from talking to a lot of people, he loved this past season being a, an ambassador for the Oilers, which was just a lot of meeting people and, and meeting fans and getting to talk to fans of all ages and, and telling stories, and he seemed to really embrace that role. So it's tough. Yeah. I know it's going to be a special day tomorrow. Yeah, it's tough, but it also makes you think, like, I think for a lot of the enforcers that maybe in the past that didn't think they were appreciated, I think with this whole Dave Semenko and his funeral and, like, the outpouring for him, I think it gives them a lot, a lot of credit that they never got in their position, which I still think is, is the toughest position in the world. Like George Lorac said, when, with the thought of fighting Derek Bugard actually was one of the reasons why he retired. Right. He, yeah. he did not want to fight the guy, so it's a very tough decision. You know, like I could just imagine the thought of fighting somebody like that, like laying in bed at night thinking, what's going to happen? Is he going to break, break my face like he did to Fedorik or whatever? So, yeah, I think there's a very good chance I would go to it. Jared, it's good to hear from you, buddy. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Jared, 780-496-0063. We do have open phone lines. we got to take a quick timeout. We'll get to some text messages as well. Uh, you can get the full story, 630ched.com, on the McDavid signing today. You'll hear from McDavid as you move along tonight, also from his parents and his agent, all on Inside Sports. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630ched. Cam Talbot. Celebrating his birthday today, 
And I'm sure he and his Oilers teammates celebrating that Connor McDavid's going to be around for a while. The extension, $100 million over eight seasons. It'll start for next year. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 624 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, a couple other news and notes from today. I mentioned that Kendall Lawrence back with the Edmonton Eskimos, who are on a bye they will not play again until Friday the 14th when they host Ottawa. We'll have that for you on 6.30, Chad, starting with the countdown to kickoff at 6. New CFL commissioner is Randy Ambrosi, 14th commissioner, former player, and uh, we're working to have him on the show before the end of the week so we can talk to him about some of the stuff going on in uh, the CFL. Week 3 starts up tomorrow night, by the way. Uh, and I should mention, we'll also find out tomorrow when the Eskimos will have their... Uh, when they'll have the 50-50 carryover from the unclaimed prize from the home opener against the Montreal Alouettes. That'll be interesting because that'll obviously be a big draw for people wanting to buy that ticket. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We already heard from Jared. Get to a couple uh, text messages here. Chris in Victoria uh, says uh, that Nugent Hopkins will be traded. If something comes up cheaper for a third-line center and another piece, he is gone. In my opinion, I will be surprised if he's at camp. That is from Chris and Victoria. Well, Chris, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I think Nugent Hopkins will be on the Oilers this season. I do think he'll be at training camp. I don't know if Peter Shirelli is looking to make uh, make another move. I, I know there are still some question marks about uh, the, the team's face, uh, face-off prowess, or should we say lack of it. I know he's talked about Ryan Strom as being more comfortable at center. Doesn't mean he's going to play there all the time. Um, I, I know if you look at teams that have been successful and certainly teams that Shirelli and McClellan have had in the past, Shirelli, the former GM in Boston, McClellan, when he was coaching San Jose, they did have more than four capable centers on the roster, or at least players who were comfortable being playing that position. So, it, you know, I think you got McDavid, you got Dreisaitl, you got Nugent Hopkins, you got Strom, you got Latestu. You know, I think Kajula is more likely to be a winger, but he could play center if you needed. So I don't think that he's necessarily in a rush to move Nugent Hopkins. Could it happen down the road? Could it happen if the Oilers need some cap space? Absolutely, but I do think Nugent Hopkins will be a uh, an Oiler in training camp. We'll see. Uh, this texter says, too much money will handcuff the team going forward. All right, well... I guess, you know, I hear a little bit of that. I think most people understand why this deal is the size that it is. Um, I guess I would say to people who share the sentiment of that texture, how do you go to Connor McDavid and say, no, we're not giving you more than this. That's it. That's our final offer. You're not getting more than this out of it. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, he's already proved himself as one of the best players in the NHL. He was already the leading scorer. He was already the MVP. The top guys get paid. The top guys get paid. The, the, the challenge for Peter Shirelli will be to build a team around a couple of guys with big contracts in, uh, in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl whenever we find out what Leon's is. And that's been the challenge for GMs in Pittsburgh and Chicago and, and teams like that. And they've, you know, those teams have still been relatively successful. Uh, Kevin from Stoney. Handicapping the Battle of Alberta. The Flames have a better goalie tandem 
The Oilers have a better starter. Flames have a better back end. Oilers' top pairing is comparable to Calgary, but the Flames' back end will put up more points. Flames' bottom six is the same as the Oilers' bottom six, so that's a wash. The Flames' top six isn't as good as the Oilers' top five. And then there is McDavid. It's going to be a great Battle of Alberta. Kevin from Stoney. Well, it will be. The Oilers did uh, win the Battle of Alberta last season eight points to one. They won all four games. One of the games did go to a shootout, so the Flames got a point. I think the Flames have done some uh, moves this season with an eye on being able to counter the Oilers' good offense by adding some defensemen and adding who they hope is a more reliable goaltender in Mike Smith. You'll hear some comments from McDavid, from his parents, from his agent, Bob Stoffer, all coming up inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Just following the uh, Billy Morris Cup out in Jasper on the Oilers' Twitter account. Billy Moore's Cup wrapping up the uh, development camp. Kevin Klima has scored the latest goal for Team Blue to make it 7-4. Kevin Klima, a uh, son of Peter Klima. He and his twin brother both at the camp. Kyler Yadamoto has scored in this game. The Oilers' first-round draft pick from uh, about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago in Chicago, taken 22nd overall. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. It is 634. You can reach me, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The uh, full story, a bunch of audio, uh, video there on 630ched.com, and we'll go over some of the highlights today. Bob Stoffer is going to be on the show with Louis DeBrusque as well. Here's uh, Connor McDavid talking about his commitment to the team. Being here for the next nine years is uh, something that was important to me. I wanted to show my commitment to the Oilers organization, the fans, the city. Um, you know, show that uh, that I'm in it for the long haul, and and I want to win here. This is a city that I think you know has such a rich history, and it's so important that that you know, we bring that back. And you know, we got a taste of it last year, and and. We certainly have some unfinished business, so um, you know, with the help of all the great teammates and the management, the coaches, and all that, um, I certainly believe we will win here, and um, I, I ultimately think that, that we will do that. And um, but honest, honestly, it's it's such an honor to be here and um, you know, wear that Oilers jersey for the next nine years of my life. All right, so there's uh, some Connor McDavid comments from the media availability earlier today at Rogers Place. Uh, they did the the main avail- availability in the Hall of Fame room, as I mentioned earlier, and then they moved us across the street. So we walked uh, down 104th Avenue to the corner of 104th and 104th, crossed, it, uh, crossed 104th Ave, went down uh, past uh, Mercer Tavern and Ross DeZato there, and then turned into a bit of a construction zone into the, I guess it's going to be the plaza for Ice District and overlooked some of the construction. And that's where McDavid uh, did another photo op, put on the Oilers a white jersey, their away jersey, which is slightly modified from what we've seen in the past. So that's what they're going to wear on the road this season. And uh, they did some media availabilities there, and you'll hear some of those as we move along tonight. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Patrick Bowers on the other side of the window tonight as our studio operator. First of all, Patrick, good to see you. 
Yeah, likewise. Were you, uh, you you were not working at Chet, I don't think, in April of 2015 when the Oilers won the draft lottery? Not quite. No. So what happened was, I'll just quickly recap the story. And this is, to me, one of the most memorable nights of, of my, my career because the Oilers went in with an 11.5% chance to win the draft lottery. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're not going to... You know, they're not going to win. It's pretty low. Yeah, I mean, nobody... I mean, I guess you could argue everybody's odds are fairly low, but they did have the third best chance. But I thought, you know, they've already had three first overall picks, 11.5%. I mean, I always looked at it as they have an 88.5% chance of not winning the draft lottery. So which would you sooner take? Right. So they come up, and our, and our plan was, okay, we'll go on air after the draft lottery winner is announced. And it was supposed to be around, I think, six twelve or something, Edmonton time. And I and the plan was, okay, if it's not the Oilers, come on, talk a little bit about it. I'll be in studio. We'll get Stoffer on the line. You know, we'll DS for a few minutes, see how this affects where the Oilers pick because they could drop, could have dropped down a spot, right, depending on who won. And then we're probably off by by, by 6.30. And then, then then they win, and we go on, and we wound up doing like a uh, two-hour show, and Bob came on, and Rob Brown came on, and, and, and we took calls and, and all this kind of stuff. And is I don't know if you remember this, Patrick, but do you remember what, one, of, one of the big stories about McDavid when he found out the Oilers won the draft lottery? Oh, did you see the look on his face? <laughs> no. Oh, did you see his body language? Oh, he's not... He's he doesn't want he doesn't want to come to Edmonton. He uh, you know see how he slumped his shoulders. He didn't smile. First of all, if you now you are you've, we've seen the kid. I mean, he's on TV and radio every day during the season here in Edmonton. He's not a when he scores a goal, he gets pretty excited. When he's off the ice, he does he doesn't he doesn't show a lot of emotion. I mean, Jay Lynn was joking with me on the afternoon news. Did he smile at all today? He did. <laughs> he did. Um, but it's funny because. So we did that show last night, and then we had Inside Sports on Monday. So the draft lottery was April 18th, uh, Saturday. Then we would have had the, the the next edition of Inside Sports on Monday, April 20th. So I took a, a lot of phone calls like like this one. I actually went back and listened to some of the stuff today. Well, just a lot of the guys I work with are Oiler fans, and uh, some of them were kind of questioning the fact that, because we all watched the draft, and... Uh, they wanted to know if everybody did see the expression on his face when he found out they had the gold card. And uh, just curious if there's been any rumors that, you know, would he pull a Lindros and uh, maybe not want to go? All right. Well, that clearly wasn't the case. <laughs> he clearly did not pull a Lindros. He's clearly uh, not pulling one now with a nine-year commitment to, to the Edmonton Oilers. It's just interesting looking back on the, the the paranoia that some fans had. And in my mind, the, the over-analysis of trying to guess what was in his head the moment the Oilers uh, won the draft lottery. And I guess he wasn't, uh, I don't know, excited enough or whatever he was whatever he was supposed to be when he found out which team won. So I was, I was listening back to some of these shows from a couple of years ago, and I also found uh, this, this little clip, something I said. And if you are that much of an expert on body language and facial expressions, then please stop wasting the time that you are in your current job and go work for the police because your skills could be put to much better use, you know, trying to detect criminals and people who are lying uh, about murdering people and things like that. Please pursue that line of work now. So I just wonder if two years, uh, you know, two and a third years later, if, if anybody took my advice. <laughs> it 
tough to say. You know? did, did we have an increase in uh, you know enrollment in the police force and investigation and you know forensic investigation? I'm just wondering. Take a look at crime statistics. Maybe they're down because maybe, of you, Reed. Maybe they're down. Because a lot of people said, you know what? He's right. I'm not going to watch hockey players' faces for five seconds on TV on Saturday night and determine what they're thinking. I'm going to get out there in society and make a difference. Anyway, just uh, looking back, it seems somewhat humorous. Uh, by the way, Kirill Maximoff has a uh, hat trick at the Billy Moore's Cup in Jasper. Kyler Yamamoto and Joseph Gambardella have combined for six points. Yamamoto Two goals and an assist. Gambardella, one goal, two assists. So they all they figured in on each other's goals. So uh, there you go. 780-496-0063. All right. Do we have a phone call? We do have Ron on the line. Hi, Ron. What's going on? Hey, good. How are you guys? Well, I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, me too. Quick question for you. Hypothetically, if the Oilers never got McDavid. Yep. They probably would not have got rid of Hall. They probably would not have got rid of Everly. They probably would have made some deals to get some better defensemen. They certainly got a great tender now. Where do you think they would have finished up in the league somewhere if that had not happened, based on some of the trades that were made and not getting called? Well, that, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's hard to speculate. I hear Here's what I can tell you, Ron. I think... And this is obviously guesswork looking back two years. Um, I think Todd McClellan would have become the head coach because, you know, he obviously needed a job. And and I think there was some appeal for him to come to the Oilers. I I guess the the question mark maybe is would have Peter Shirelli become the general manager? Now, he was looking for a job, and most guys would sooner work than not work. So maybe that still would have happened. But I think Edmonton became a lot more appealing to him as uh, as a general manager um, because uh, because McDavid was there. I, I mean, I, I guess what you have to ask yourself now, unfortunately for Craig McTavish, most of the moves he made um, didn't work out. Right, whether it was Scrivens and Faust, or whether it was uh, you know, I think Justin Schultz could have worked out. But uh, I don't think he was the GM who signed Schultz, but he signed him to the extension and made the Norris Trophy potential remark. I mean, uh, McTavish signed Fain. McTavish signed Pouliot, who Fain's been in the minors. Pouliot's now gone. Uh, McTavish signed Purcell. Uh, McTavish did trade for Matt Hendricks, who, you know, played his role with the Oilers, but uh, the Devin Dubnik was the piece that went the other way. So I, I think you. I, I guess you. That, that to me, that's the thing. If the Oilers hadn't won the McDavid lottery, who would have the GM been? And if it was Craig McTavish, would have he been able to improve on his brief track record with the team? Because I don't think you know. I don't think they would have kept necessarily finishing in the bottom three. But clearly, there needed to be some major revisions to the roster. We can say this, that they finally took a huge step forward with McDavid. Did did they finish eighth overall this year if McDavid's not on the roster? Well, obviously not. Yeah. uh, What do you think? Well, I just think that uh, I think they they wouldn't have finished eighth. I think they'll probably finish maybe uh, maybe 13th in the league, 14th possibly. Uh, if there had not been that uh, that scenario, uh, I mean, you gotta. It's. I mean, they were lucky. I mean, the cards were in there. Absolutely. 
Jeepers Creepers. They should have went to Vegas, everybody, and made a lot of money that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they they were very lucky. There's there's no doubt about that. I mean, it, it's one of those what-if what questions. Uh, some what-if questions are fun to talk about. I don't know if talking about yeah. life without McDavid is is as fun, especially since they were... Well, I guess when they won the lottery, they were they were nine years out of the playoffs. But but I I, I do believe McClellan would have been the coach, and I think we saw this year that in year two some of his lessons really started to kick in, and they did play differently. So I think the yeah. team would have would have been better this year with him as the coach, regardless oh, of who was on the roster. Yeah, yeah if McDavid hadn't been there, they would have definitely been a better team as the as the coach. He's and I go back to Justin Schultz. I mean, Schultz has done very well where he's at now in Pittsburgh. He's, he's improved his game dramatically, but again, he's got a pretty good coach around him, right? So, Ron, did you see the, the Norris Trophy voting? Well, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't pay much attention. To he it. finished 10th. That's not bad. Well, no, we're not for a guy that has difficulties here, but, you know, that's pretty good for that young man. And I, I wish him, you know, I'm sure he. I've always liked Justin Schultz, to be quite frankly. I just think that the coach of the day ruined that bad a little bit here in the city. So well, yeah, you know... That's it, just an opinion, of course. But. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I mean, look, there, there's no doubt the Oilers took a huge chance with Dallas Akins, who was kind of the it guy coming out of the AHL, and it just didn't gel well for for the team. Todd Nelson came in for half a season. We had Todd on the show last week, and he talked about how he really worked on more morale building and cohesion with the Oilers during his 51 games here. And then the Oilers win the lottery, and uh, Peter Shirelli is hired as president and GM, and then Todd McClellan becomes the head coach, and they've been able to roll on. Well, I shouldn't say roll on, but they've certainly been able to improve from there. All right. Uh, Zib says, McDavid looked horrified. (laughs) It's looking back to the draft lottery night. Rob says, read those pundits who thought they could read body language would make lousy poker players. And Sean says, Reed, at the time the Oilers won, I don't think McDavid was happy about that. He addressed it a bit today when he said he had concerns about the coaching and management situation at the time. Kudos to the organization for fixing some things because he seems pretty happy now. That is a text message from Sean to 63630. We do have some open line time at 780-496-0063, and you'll hear more from Connor McDavid when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Is this Turn Up the Radio by Autograph? Yes. Autograph with an F at the end? It's a PH. Oh, it is a PH? Yeah. All right. But I like the way you spell it better. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you're a rock band. You can spell it wrong, just like the, the... The band I listen to. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. It is 6.50. We're with you until 8 o'clock. A reminder that tomorrow at 2, we'll have a live broadcast of the celebration of life for Dave Samenko. It's at Rogers Place, 2 o'clock tomorrow. The public is welcome to attend. It is free, but you do need a ticket. Ticketmaster.ca, free of charge. Just uh, go on to Ticketmaster.ca and put in Samenko. Doors for the celebration will open at noon. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Dave Samenko with uh, Louis DeBrusque, who's going to join us later on on the show. You can text 630-630. 
Uh, Dave says, uh, or pardon me, who is this? Uh, pardon me, it's from Dan. Dan says, I'm very happy about Connor's deal and fully confident that Leon gets done. The tape you just played proves exactly why guys like Shirelli are GMs and the rest of us are wannabe GMs. Dan adds, I watched Sammy in the WHA and all through my career, he was my favorite. Heaven just got a whole lot tougher. That is a text message from Dan. Yakushev, uh, the second most important factor in the Oilers' success is Nicholson because he came to the rescue and kicked Lowen McTavish out of the sandbox. Well, those guys still work for the team. I, I don't think he quite kicked anybody out, but I, I, I mean, there was a lot of talk a couple of years ago about uh, McNicholson kind of doing an audit of the team, and I do think he kind of came in and maybe changed the standards and said, okay, look, we've been doing a lot of things that haven't been working or maybe had people in positions that they couldn't quite handle. Let's try to straighten this out a little bit. And I do think Bob Nicholson has been a pretty big factor in the Oilers uh, becoming a better team over the last couple of years. Kevin from Stoney, uh, echoing that comment, he says, the Oilers' turnaround started with Bob Nicholson, a true hockey mind at the top, and the rest fell into place, a real class act and a hockey mastermind. That is from Kevin from Stoney. Kevin, interesting comment. Let, let me counter this. And I'm, again, I'm not downplaying Nicholson's contribution. Uh, and he obviously does know the game of hockey, but is he a hockey mastermind or is he more of an organizational mastermind? I mean, would that really not be his strength, even more so than maybe being able to scout hockey players or say who's good at this and this? He's good at seeing a big picture and saying, this is the person we need in this position. This is the best person to have in this job. This is the type of organizational structure we have in terms of who reports to who. These are the standards we have to have. I'm going to make sure they're enforced. I wonder if that's maybe Nicholson's uh, strength more than just pure hockey knowledge, if you know what I'm getting at. Though, though, again, I don't downplay what he has meant to the Oilers organization. All right, the man of the hour is Connor McDavid sat down with Stoffer at Rogers Place. Yeah, it's so exciting. Um, you know, to be a part of Edmonton for the next nine years is, is something that I take a lot of pride in. Um, you know, this is a, a city that uh, I love being in. The fans are unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and, and obviously my teammates, um, I love being around them. They're all great guys. Um, you know, we're, you know, we had a little taste of success last year, and it's something that uh, you know, we can we definitely want to replicate. I know it's hard for the average person to understand this when I say it, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the money really isn't that big. It's not about the money, is it? And the, the number's out there, but it's not about the money, is it? Not at all. Um, not at all. And, and you know, I, you can definitely see how CL fans uh, can have a hard time with that, but... Um, well, it's not about the money. It's about winning, and uh, well, I certainly believe that we can do that here in Edmonton. The term. I mean, you could have signed for a shorter term. You could have done a five-year deal. The orders wanted you to do an eight-year deal. I, I think that if they could have, they would have tried to circumvent the cap to do an 11- or 12-year deal. But uh, why was the eight-year deal right for you as well? Yeah, like I said, it's a place I want to be. Um, you know, I don't... Uh, you know, I don't see myself uh, you know, wanting to go anywhere. And, you know, after five years, I think um, you know, after getting a taste last year of, of what the city can be, um, you know, when when you're having success, it's it's so fun to be a part of. Um, you know, to be a part of uh, you know, this new building, the whole ice district, um, you know, the, everything the Cates family has been doing. It's uh, it's something that uh, I definitely didn't uh, I didn't want to you know, watch grow from afar. I want to be a part of it. When you uh, can you believe how far this team's come, even over the last calendar year? And because of that, are you excited to see how far it can go moving forward? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I keep saying, we had a little taste of success last year, and um, you know, I think that's just making everyone more hungry for it. Um, you know, the first year I was here, it was not a lot of fun. You know, it was uh, you know, losing sucks, and and 
you know, with that, uh, you know, comes some upset fans, some upset media. Um, you know, that's it's nothing good comes from losing, and um, you know, and, and we got it from from a little taste last year, and, and we want to keep that going. All right, Connor McDavid talking to Bob Stoffer earlier today. We had all the live coverage of the news conference for you on uh, Oilers Now, and we extended into the afternoon news as well from uh, 2 to 2.30. So thanks to Jalen and Andrew for letting us borrow some time. Peter Shirelli talking a little bit about team building. Part of this partnership, as, as I, I, I called it, was talking about building a team. And, uh, and, and Connor was emphatic, as, as was I, as, as keeping his team competitive. And uh, certainly, it was a continuing theme. And um, you know, there, there are there are challenges at, at every juncture when you're building a, a winning team in, in this salary cap era. And Connor recognizes that. Jeff uh, Jackson, who we had a lot of discussion with, recognizes that. And and we're we're confident that we'll be able to, to ice a winning team and 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 one that can contend and, and win the cup in short order. All right, some uh, comments from Peter Shirelli, and he did say in his opening statement that this deal easily could have been higher in value and shorter in term, um, but McDavid very conscious of uh, of his teammates and wanting to win the Stanley Cup as well. Uh, Step says the city was ready to overthrow Kingsway going into that summer. People were done with this franchise. I remember thinking I've never seen people so angry with a sports franchise. It all changed with those lottery balls, Lucky Cates and Lucky Oilers fans. Well, no doubt about it. I mean, the draft lottery is pure luck. Regardless of which one you win or don't win, it's pure good luck or bad luck. And the Oilers pretty much, uh, ever since they went to the lottery format, I mean, I guess the two lucky teams, uh, luckiest teams are the Pittsburgh Penguins to get Sidney Crosby and uh, the Edmonton Oilers to get Connor McDavid, even though the Oilers won a couple of other draft lotteries as well. Remember, they did not win. They did not win the draft lottery in 2011. They finished last and stayed in first because you could only move up four spots. So New Jersey won the lottery and moved up to number four. And of course took Adam Larson who is now oddly enough an Edmonton Oiler and was somewhat in the discussion to be taken first overall that summer as well. All right, coming up to the 7 o'clock news you can keep texting 630-630 I'll try to keep uh, keep up with those we're getting a few coming in. The open line is 780-496-0063 Bob Stoffer is going to hop on in the next half hour. You'll also hear from Connor McDavid's parents and from his agent as we break down the $100 million deal. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.